Folks, it's Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 595 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Thursday, uh, January 27, 2011, and I've got a great show for you. I'm going to return a favor today. I've done three interviews with uh, the Baldy and the Blonde show. That's uh, Tom Kowitz and Michelle Godin uh, that have a show on uh, an AM station in New Orleans. And uh, they've always been great to me. They've even given me my own dedicated page on their website. And... Uh, I wanted to return that favor and bring them on the show, and I wanted to do that for a couple reasons. One, because they're tied into all the stuff that we talk about on shows on, on, on Mondays, basically. All the, um, the, the, the encroachment on liberty by government and the fight to retain liberty by the people. That's really their kind of niche that they stay in. So we've got a lot of stuff going on right now, and I wanted their opinion on some of the things we've been talking about lately. But I also wanted to get them on because they're not professional DJs in, in one sense anyway. And what I mean by that is it's not what they do for a living. They have full-time jobs, and they run a show one day a week for an hour on prime time, uh, radio time, 5 to 6 in New Orleans. And, you know, you wonder, how does a person get a gig like that? Well, there's, you know, there's ways to do it. So I'm going to have them talk about how they got their own show and why they're involved in the fight and ways that you can be involved uh, in whatever fight you choose to be in. And how you can make a difference and how one person really does make a difference because these are just two normal people just like you and me that have gone out and decided this is how we're going to make our stand. This is how we're going to make a difference. It doesn't mean that I think that the audience is going to do exactly what they've done, but I think we can learn from them. Before we bring them on, though, and I've got them waiting here on the sidelines, uh, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors and our housekeeping. Sponsor of the day number one today, MERS-radio.com. That's M-U-R-S, a little hyphen. The word radio, a dot, and a com. What is MERS Radio? It is a great way to have a secondary means of communication with a range of about one to two miles. Uh, you know, it's really for your own property if you have a vehicle convoy going somewhere or something like that. But what's really awesome about it is they have integrated security features. And what I mean by this, you have these motion detectors you can put around your property. And if something moves in front of it, it'll send a, a message to your radio or to your base station saying, alert zone one, alert zone two, something like that. And that way, you know what's going on. So here, I know if somebody's prowling around on the front porch or something simple, like the dog's trying to get out of the yard. And I can prevent that, uh, either prevent the dog out of love or prevent the invasion with malice. And uh, I don't know of any other communication systems that'll do that for you. So check out MERS Radio. Next up today, the Berkey guy at Directive21.com. Again, his website, Directive21.com. There is nothing more important to you than water. Without water, you will die. Let me just make it as blunt as I possibly can. So it behooves us as preppers to have a way to, 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 to purify our water if the conventional systems that we rely on for water every day fail. In addition to that, we all know there are things in our, in our water supplies that we don't want in there. Uh, things like hexylated chromium, we just found out. Uh, things like in South Texas, radiation. Uh, then there's the stuff that they put in there they tell us is good for us, like chlorine and fluoride. Chlorine, I understand. It keeps the water from becoming infected, and it's, it's, a, it's something we prefer not to be there, but there's a reason for it. Fluoride is just because a bunch of dentists thinks it's a good idea, and it's actually killing people and destroying their bodies. Uh, Berkey water filter systems will get that stuff out in good times, and they'll get the even worse stuff out in bad times. So check out Berkey Guy at Directive21.com. He's one of the number one resellers for Berkey in the United States for a reason. Excellent service. Uh, that is really what it's all about, and great pricing to boot. Next up, remember to connect with me on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, you can find us as The Survival Pod C. The Survival Pod C. On Facebook, we are simply facebook.com slash survival podcast. Last but not least, consider joining the member support brigade. Do that. You get exclusive content 
available only to members, and that includes something like 20 videos that are done by me available nowhere else. It's uh, about, I'd say, $100 to $120 worth of ebooks that are absolutely free and discounts to over 20 participating vendors. I put out an announcement yesterday. Uh, we did have the, uh, the offer code for Seeds of Change and High Mowing both expire. High Mowing has renewed theirs. I'm not hearing back from Seeds of Change. I'm looking for some other people. Uh, I spoke with Seed Savers Exchange yesterday. I don't know what they're going to do, but it looks like they're going to do something for you guys in the MSB. That'll be a big one to bring on right there. But High Mowing right now, free shipping. Uh, just one example of a discount. All right, folks, is in the, in the just... As I said in the uh, housekeeping segment there, uh, we do have two guests today. That is the first time ever on the Survival Podcast we have two guests on at the same time. And they are the illustrious and infamous Tom Coates, better known as Baldy, and uh, the equally infamous Michelle Godin, better known as the Blonde, uh, from WGSO 990 AM, where they run a show on Wednesday evenings from 5 to 6 Central. And they talk about all kinds of things to do with uh, liberty and freedom and the encroachment on thereof by government. So, Tom, Michelle, Baldy, Blonde, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. Great to be with you, Jack. Cool. I, you know, I kind of wanted to bring you guys on because I get a lot of my listeners and our community members saying things like, you know, we want to do something, but we really don't know what to do. We can't do what you do because you do this every day. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of started out. And people know my story. But you guys aren't full-time DJs. Could I get both of you to take a shot, a turn here, and just tell us a little bit about your past? And then once we both do that, we'll talk about how you got into uh, radio broadcasting and your motivations behind it. Oh, this is Michelle, and I'm a, a lawyer in New Orleans. I'm born and raised in New Orleans and went to school here. And, you know, um, it is only something that, that we're only on the air one hour a week, but I'll get it saved for a little later about why we got into this. But basically I'm just a regular person with a full-time job, and this is something I do uh, because of my passion. So. And um, I'm an irregular person. Michelle's a regular person. I've, uh, I've sold cars, I've done mortgages, I've taught, I've uh, worked at a bank, I've worked in public relations, I've done all kinds of stuff. But the one thing that uh, has carried me through and has been consistent has been uh, I've been studying the Federal Reserve and, and money for, for many years. And uh, that's been my motivation when I just it got to be so crooked and so fraudulent and so in your face. But I knew I needed to do something. I got it, but for a while I was doing some public speaking about it. And one thing led to another. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm a guest on a uh, on a radio show here on WGSO. And next thing you know, they're offering us a show. All right, cool. So um, what I, what I really wanted to talk about is so Tom kind of jumped the gun there on me, Michelle. You guys yeah, ended yeah. up with this show, right? How did you, you guys end up? Road, you know, but they offered you a show, but. I mean, did you guys just, like, get a job doing this, or did you no. kind of buy the airtime, or what? Uh, we buy the airtime, and since I'm a lawyer, I use it to advertise my practice. And, you know, we all have our own motivations, and Tom's, of course, is the Federal Reserve. And because of his interest in the Federal Reserve, well, he and I both ended up in the uh, Ron Paul campaign, and that's where we met, because I am alarmed as a lawyer who has an interest in the Constitution and in American history. I'm totally alarmed by the encroachment on our liberties, and uh, that's that's kind of how we got into it. And what happened was I was also a guest on a show on WGSO, and they ended up offering us a, a, a show, but we do actually put money out to be on the show. So I am the show's main sponsor. Now, since we've been on a while, we've picked up other sponsors, and and our goal is to get enough sponsors to continually expand in this market and eventually possibly bigger. But, you know, what we do is uh, is not necessarily uh, what mainstream media allows you to do. It just so happens that this station is very uh, libertarian. They let, you, they let you do what you want. It, I, it can't hurt that you're buying the airtime either. That they, I mean, within certain regulation limits, FCC, that type of thing, it's got to give exactly. you more freedom than having a pro program director come in and tell you how to work. Because, I mean, personally, it's one of the things that's kept me out of radio from my shows because I do what I want, and sometimes I don't know what it is until five minutes before the show starts, as scary as that might sound. Do we have, do we have, do we have Tom back at a mic yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm back. How's this? Is this any better? That's much better. Uh, we had a little okay. mic issue with Tom there, folks. So I, I wanted, Tom, I want to ask you a little bit about the Federal Reserve then. Uh, I, I know that's a passion for you, but obviously, um, 
you know, spending uh, the time it takes to put together a show every week is a big commitment. So what makes it worth it to you to, to do this as far as, as your animosity toward the Fed and, and maybe other things that you've discovered? I mean, would you say maybe the Fed was the primary driver and now it's you know, like kind of opened a window as you've been doing this to more things? Uh, yeah, because I look at it this way. Is the central bank is the funding mechanism for all the evils that they're doing. But i got to say that the... Uh, you know, right down to, you know, to, the, to the wars and all the wasteful spending and everything. If you get rid of the funding mechanism, the rest just goes away. But I have to say, uh, without sounding sappy, that my, my main motivation is my daughter's future. I have a nearly 19-year-old daughter, and I see her future uh, really in jeopardy and the future of, of uh, all future generations. And, and that's, just, that's my motivation right now. I completely agree with you, man. I think that it's the future of all Americans. Uh, you know, my son's 21 now, and he's kind of on his own, but, you know, he's got a lot of years to live, and I hear you there. Um, the two of you guys, think you do this show together. Again, folks, it's on uh, WGSO 990 AM, and you can go to baldyandtheblonde.com, and you can get that information. You can get their podcast and everything. But what I want to ask both of you about, you guys kind of take this, whoever wants to, first. Um, you know, I do a show on, on the Internet. I get complete liberty and freedom. I can do anything I want there. You guys uh, went with conventional radio. Did you consider doing this as a podcast at all, or did it just kind of fall in your lap because of the invitation you got? I mean, what, but I guess my bigger thing is, is it? I guess it would be really helpful for somebody starting from ground zero to be on airwaves that have kind of a listener base already to plug into, right? Well, you're right, and frankly, we had no listener base. We had nothing. In, in fact, um, Michelle is the one who, she was telling me for quite a while that I needed to learn from you on how to do a podcast. She's been listening to you for a long time, and and uh, she thought that I would make for a good po- podcast to speak to people about a fiat currency in the Federal Reserve, fractional reserve banking, and that sort of thing. And uh, we uh, started to plan toward that, and next thing I know, we were offered the show on uh, just regular AM radio, so of course we jumped it down. Yeah, and, you know, since I had a business to advertise and I was prepared to spend some money to do that anyway, I probably wouldn't have done it but for the show. I thought, well, you know, let's let's give it a shot. And I noticed that this station lets the host do what they want with the exception of uh, probably the only thing we can't do is curse. Uh, I would say curse words because we've had, if you look at the list of guests, they're unbelievable guests. I, I, can't, I can't believe how easy it is to get major players to come on the show, and I would say that is the advantage of being on the mainstream radio uh, versus the podcast is just that you kind of have this, it's not fair, but we just have this sort of an instant uh, yes. credibility. If you look at our list of previous guests, it truly is jaw-dropping that I mean, Baldy and the Blood have been able to get these people off. Let's, let's give the audience some idea of some of the folks you've been able to interview by setting up a show like this. You guys have had Ron and Rand Paul both on. You've had yeah. Lou Rockwell. Um, got, give us some of the other guys you've had, and there's some well, big we've ones. We've had Christopher Moncton. Uh, he's been on three times. Uh, we've had uh, G. Edward Griffin, the author, author of Creature from Jekyll Island. We've had Peter yeah, Schiff. Jack Spierko three times. Jack Spierko. Jack Spierko's been our most I don't, know if I'd, I don't know if I'd call that bragging rights. but uh. <laughs> No, but honestly, it is. you really are. Um, it's just such a great the survival thing and growing your own food and saving your money and paying off your bills. It just really resonates with the people of New Orleans and uh, you've been our most popular guest, and I'm, I'm not kidding. We actually have a Jack Spearco section on our website. Yes, we do. Really? I'm humbled. For anybody else. <laughs> I'm humbled given the other names that you guys have there. You bring something interesting up, though. I, I do think preparedness and survivalism resonates with the people of New Orleans, maybe more so than a lot of other places, though. You know, right yeah. now, as we speak, the Northeast is getting the equivalent of a Category 1 hurricane, but it's full of snow. Um, so maybe they'll learn a lesson or two from that, except the snow doesn't flood. But you guys were actually in New Orleans when all of the Katrina stuff went down, or at least were living there. Maybe you got out. But can you tell oh, yeah. folks kind of some, maybe just both of you, just a few things you've learned from living through something like that? First of all, um, I would like to say for the vast majority of people who are not really familiar and only get their news from the mainstream media about what happened here is the vast, and I mean 95%, of the greater New Orleans area evacuated. And we're used to it. And, you know, you've given me some names for things that we do anyway, like a bug-out bag. And, you know, we all know to have your insurance papers, your family photographs, things that you cannot replace, and bring those with you and go. 
there were some people that did not leave, and that's going to be, you know, you have the right in America to be stupid, and that's just what happened. So I, I say, exercise <laughs> that right all the time. <laughs> no, we we both evacuated like like everyone else, so we know kind of what to do here, and we also know how easy it is to see the uh, food chain disrupted. Something you talk about a lot. Even when we had evacuated for good style a couple of years ago, it was a hurricane that didn't come, and I mean. We got back a few days later, and the grocery shelves were bare because the, the trucks shipping the food from God knows where uh, couldn't get through. So, you know, there was nothing. Now, do people here have food in their pantries? First of all, people here like to cook. So people sort of do what you talk about anyway. They have some things stored. They store what they eat and eat what they store. And then they supplant it with, I mean, you know, a lot of local uh vegetable gardens, a lot of local produce. And I have to say, I'm very proud to say I've been seeing some chickens walking around New Orleans lately. So, uh, Tom, you have any chickens? <laughs> no, I have no chickens. Not yet. Tom, we got to get you some chickens, man. I know. <laughs> well, I, I'll say this. The, the one thing that I've really learned is uh, do not rely on anyone else. And, and you've opened my eyes to that. And when when I say that, it's the things that you've pointed out, it's it's more than just food. We think of food. But what about energy and security? Yeah. Right? And, and, and those are kind of things that I hadn't really thought of until I started listening to you. So I thank you for that. Yeah. And I, and I would like to say this, too, is that um, I'm from Oregon originally, Portland, Oregon. My family is still up there largely. And we've never had any catastrophes up there to speak of except for uh, we had Mount St. Helens in the early 80s. Uh, but it's not like that shut everything down forever. But uh, a couple years back, uh, while, when I was here, my parents are up there, they had an ice storm. That Portland's very hilly in some areas. My parents live up in the hills, where if the roads are bad, you are stuck. They were stuck. I don't think they got outside for three weeks, and yet my mom was fine. Yeah. She didn't have to think about advanced planning. It wasn't even advanced planning there. It was just having a bunch of stuff, that's and that's what we need to start thinking of. And I, and I would say, as a woman, I might be a little more uh, hip to this than, than than the guys. But the number one thing you hear people cry about in New Orleans that they lost. Uh, irreplaceable family photographs. So make sure that, that um, you know, that's something we all learned here from the people who lost everything. Um, your photographs and your insurance papers, do a film of your house uh, so that you can prove what you had, and, and that'll, that'll really help if something actually goes wrong. But I think people here love to hear uh, Jack because he speaks a language we understand and gives us, you know, additional tips that maybe we hadn't thought of. And Let me throw know. one in on you there with the pictures. A lot of folks have gotten into digitizing everything, including the old ones, and that's great. But if you have a hard drive that you're backing your, your, your data up to, pictures, any data, and that hard drive is sitting next to your computer in your home, um, it does help computer crashes, but it's very little in the form of redundancy. Really, I really recommend people with any kind of digitized information practice some sort of off-site backup or at least have that drive ready to grab and go and make it part of what you take when you get out. Because if your house burns down, it burns your computer and your hard drive, your backup hard drive, it's gone. And you ain't getting that's it back. It. That's it. And that's, you know, uh, believe it or not, the, the, of course, this is government at its finest. We don't even have basements in New Orleans yet. We had one basement, and that's where they stored all of the um the really old historical uh, property documents. Brilliant. So they basically stored them at the bottom of the swimming pool. Yeah, because we don't have basements because we're if you dig down far enough, it's water. Well, so. of course. And, and given already you're sitting at a place that's lower than sea level and you've got the gulf on one side and this great big giant puddle they call poncha train on the other. That's so right. it's, it's already precarious. That's genius government at work, you know. So, really? Uh, yeah, it's stupid. So they had to, you know, of course, I'm sure somebody had, a, you know, how that goes. Then they get to hire the restoration companies, and, oh, it's just nuts. But they have resolved it, but it just shows you the stupidity of government compared to the average person that knew what to do. So yeah, Absolutely. Hey, guys, I wanted to talk to you about some of the things that are going on right now, because I know you guys really focus. You guys talk about preparedness from time to time. You bring me on. But your focus is really liberty and freedom, and as I said, the encroachment thereupon by government. There's some things that are we've been both been talking about kind of simultaneously, and I wanted to get you on the show for your opinions on them. The first one is, as you guys remember, I wrote that article and did a show on the seven deadly cracks in our economy, and, and one of the big ones that I pointed out was states on the verge of bankruptcy. And, of course, 
you know, two months ago, there's this crazy survivalist, the states are going to go bankrupt. And today on Fox News, they're debating whether or not to allow states bankruptcy protection in the United States House of Representatives. So it's almost like some of us in this alternative crazy world know what we're talking about. What do you guys think about that as a whole, just the whole concept of state-based bank bankruptcy? Well, uh, bankruptcy, I suppose, is, is a legal term. What's unquestionable is that they are insolvent. That doesn't require us to define whether they may or may not, right? We, they, they have to debate whether they may or may not go bankrupt, but there's no question. There's no need to debate whether they are or not insolvent. They are. The country is. Uh, many corporations are. Many countries are. Many states, many cities. It's, it's everywhere. And we talk about, oh, okay, should we give them bankruptcy protection or whatever. At this point, uh, maybe forget that, uh, they need to talk about uh, bailing them out. Now, how do you tell California or New York or Nevada or Louisiana that, that the feds won't bail them out when we bail out uh, several countries and several banks and large corporations? So I, I think those those bailouts are inevitable. Uh, they need uh, they need to keep the people out of the streets and rioting. And how do you do that? Is you keep them fed the best you can for as long as you can. Well. And the bigger question, though, I have kind of a follow-up to that is, can the United States of America afford to bail out all the, the states that are near insolvency? We're talking about at least 38 of them and probably be a few more because some of them are lying. Exactly. <laughs> no, they, they, um, they, oh, come on, Jack. Uh, now, I'm going to retract that. Everybody in government always tells the truth. Even George Bush <laughs> Sr. told us the CIA doesn't lie. <laughs> And, and when right. I yeah. said that, I thought, well, I hope you do. It's kind of your job. <laughs> yeah, it better be. What's wrong with you? Better learn to lie quick. Well, I no, the United States cannot afford to do that. The United States is fourteen trillion in debt plus a hundred and something trillion in unfunded liabilities. But then they'll argue that uh, they can't not afford to bail them out, and uh, for the reasons that, that I mentioned, is that they don't want to see writing in the streets like. It's happening in, in parts of Europe. Yeah, but at some point it's all going to crumble. I mean, no, it, it has crumbled. It can't sustain. It will not be sustained. It's not going to collapse. It has collapsed. Well, but there's still the veneer, you know, the yeah. veneer of, of, of normal, normalcy and football games are still happening. And well, you still have your television, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't, people aren't feeling it yet. Well, the veneer is gone for me. But but you're right. For the masses, yes, they still see there's the semblance of reality and, and they, they are desensitized now that everybody gets a bailout. Well, you know, what I think is happening is that they are doing anything they can, they being the big, bad federal government, to string this thing along as long as they can while they set up their DHS and, and, and security apparatus, which is pointed squarely not at terrorists but at Americans, especially Americans who believe in survival, Ron Paul and the Fed uh, and the IRS, get out of the U.N., and most disgustingly on their list is returning veterans. So, and that that comes straight out of Janet Napolitano's uh, most recent DHS list of domestic terrorists and what to look out for. So, I think they're gonna they're gonna come after us. And I, I would like to interject something. This is not the first time that that a financial system right here in the United States has crashed. I mean, it's happened several times. That's how we got the Federal Reserve in the first place. Is because with the so much uh, fractional reserve banking going on. They had their big booms and busts, and they fooled the people into believing that if they had a central bank, that that kind of thing would go away. So in 1913, they service up the Fed. Within uh, a few years, and by 1921, we have a depression. And in the late 20s and throughout the 30s, we had another depression. In uh, 30, in 33, they stole the gold and put us on a new system. In 45, they gave us Bretton Woods. In 71, Bretton Woods crashed, and now this one's crashing, and they're going to give us something else, and then that one's going to crash. But how long can they keep it up, you know? Well, it's been going on for a century since the Federal Reserve almost. The, 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 what happens, though, with each time that they give us a new system, and remember, there's been many, it, it's largely invisible to the people that they don't recognize that we are under a new system. But what each time has in common is that the people and the countries give up a little bit more and more freedom and more and more sovereignty with each one. And that's what's happening this time around. Yeah. This time we're going to go, probably go to a global currency or something, but each time we we... We go to a new system. It's largely invisible to the masses, but what's in common is each time is that we lose more and more freedom or sovereignty. 
Well, guys, you guys, it's Tom, you just touched a very important word. First of all, now you guys know why I brought these folks on. Because Tom just told you about our currency collapsing multiple times over the last hundred years. And you're a student of this, Tom, so you know before the Federal Reserve, the central bankers were doing this. And we had multiple collapses prior to the installation of what would actually be the third version of a central bank. But there's a word you use there that is so important. I just happened to dig this out of a brief little statement of an article yesterday about this state bankruptcy thing. And, Michelle, I'm very interested in what you think about this from an attorney's viewpoint. What it stated in this article from the New York Slimes was that um, the, the thing that, that prevents a state from filing bankruptcy protection is their sovereignty. In other it words, I can I can file bankruptcy because I'm effectively an individual corporation under the current system. Uh, that's what your driver's license and social security card make you as a corporation. That's why you have to pay taxes. Um, we'll get into that on a different show because we could spend an hour on that. Uh, but that's true. A corporation can do it. A city is basically a corporation. So a city, unless a state has a, bank, uh, a, a you know a constitutional amendment preventing it, a city can declare bankruptcy protection. But to me now, what they're saying is okay. And this author, I don't even think realized what's like this wasn't a, a plan or anything. She didn't even realize when she wrote it what really that came down to. But I thought, well, you think talk about planned disaster and about planned collapse of a currency and, and reinstatement. Basically now, to me, the Federal Reserve or the Federal uh, Government can go to all these states and say, you know what, the only thing getting away of this bankruptcy protection is sovereignty. And really, if, I mean, we may say that we are sovereign, but the reality is that that's been pretty much obliterated by the huge uh, apparatus known as the Federal Government. So it would set up a very interesting um, conflict because, you know, there's a lot of people, like one of my favorite guests we've ever had is um, – Dr. Tom Woods, who preaches nullification and states' rights. And, and really, that's the answer to our problems is for states to start standing up and saying, you know, hell no. So I don't know how it's all going to play out with the sovereignty and the bankruptcy uh, situation. I'd be happy to look into that from somebody who knows more than me. Tom probably knows more than me on that. Well, not so much, I'm, I'm not the finance person. I don't really understand it that well. So well, I will say this. It's when it's convenient for them to say that the states are sovereign, they're going right. to say the states are sovereign. Absolutely. If you want to say that we're sovereign, right. they say that we're right-wing extremists. Co correct. Uh, You're sovereign when you want bankruptcy protection. Yeah. But... but when when we want you to have a seatbelt law because we said so, That's you're right. not sovereign. When we tell you what age to make your drinking age limit, you're not sovereign. When we tell you you can't allow medical marijuana, you're not sovereign. But whenever you want to do something that we don't want you to do, we're either going to say you are sovereign so you can't or your sovereignty doesn't apply. But I guess to me this looks like a way to kind of kink away that last chunk of what's yeah, left. You know, it's like the veneer. Gonna say. And that sets up the that sets up what what I think is the most uh, hopeful scenario, which is for states to come into their own and realize we have sovereignty. And when the government becomes so uh, filled with the train of abuses, then we have the duty, according to the Declaration of Independence, to shake them off and get rid of them. And really, I'm not calling for any violence, but I'm just saying there is going to come a point when states are going to be faced with absolute collapse and tyranny or Exercise a little muscle and, and exercise your sovereignty. And people have to be aware of the dichotomy and the contradiction handed out by the federal government who, as you say, you're sovereign when it suits their purpose and you're not when it suits their right. purpose, which all goes back to the same conclusion that we are under the thumb of Big Brother and we better stand up. Yeah, now, let me argue the other side because here's what the states are going to hear and they're going to be tempted by it. It's going to be a siren song. They real, the states, now they realize that they don't have sovereignty. Right, they're not stupid. They see what we see, and and if the the federal government comes along and says, you know what, uh, we're going to give you the bankruptcy protection, but you basically you got to sign off on your sovereignty, and the states are going to say, well, you know what, we don't, okay. we're not, we don't have it anyway, and it's by signing off what the the, uh, the shadow of of sovereignty, not we don't have the substance of it, we have the shadow. If we just sign that away, we'll get bankruptcy protection, fine, and they just sign it all away. You know, here's my other thing that I want to bring into this. Yesterday. Um, I came across a, a guy on YouTube called Living History Channel, and he had a little video out about a resolution going on in the Virginia State Legislature right now where they're uh, forming an exploratory committee to decide whether or not to create basically Virginia dollars after the Federal Reserve collapses, and that would be part of state sovereignty. My concern with that is how does a broke state um, 
declare true sovereignty even under their own currency when they don't have any money. Well, we could do what's, what Iceland has done, which is repudiate the debt. You know, it's not our debt. I mean, it's how are Jack Spirico, Tom Coates, and Michelle Godin responsible for paying money that uh, Tark gave to the Bank of, I don't know, Brazil or whatever. You know, they've used our money and, and, and taxed us to give away our money for causes that we have nothing to do with. And nobody voted. I mean, nobody asked me. Nobody asked you. So I would say that we could do what Iceland did, which is just tell them no. We're not saying it. Yeah, well, you know, there's a little problem there. It's called DHS. No, we've got, we've no, got people no, called Trippio and DHO. No, it's not. And it is coming. It's the Constitution. Uh, and, again, when they want to follow the Constitution, they will. They ignore it, but when they want to follow it, they will. And there, there is a clause in the Constitution that says that the debt of the United States shall not be questioned. How convenient is that? Yeah. Well, I question it, yeah. but I'm not supposed to because it's unconstitutional. But it was it was not passed constitutionally. Yeah, well, they won't. <laughs> right. I, I guess I would say that the Constitution applies to a republic. And since we don't have a republic, we're not right. liable for the empire's debt. I mean, that was, I try to legally loop my way out of there. But, I mean, my thought was, why don't the states, while they can use this fake money, do what China's doing, and start laying up gold and silver to issue script based on the gold and silver reserves? Because constitutionally, states can do that, because it says in the Constitution, the states shall make nothing as a tender other than gold and silver. Now, does, that doesn't actually, a lot of people say that's the silver bullet against the federal reserve system and all. It's not, because it applies to the states individually, not to the central government, but... If that's all they're allowed to do, then by that definition, they can do it. And, I mean, that would be the only way I'd see to do this is to start basically charter a state bank, uh, Bank of Louisiana, Bank of Florida, what have you, and start doing this kind of a reserve mentality. Now, you guys maybe know I'm not for a 100% gold standard, but for this scenario, it's the only option I see to create some kind of financial stability at the state level, because yeah. I think Tom and Tom and I are definitely, I think Michelle probably already agree, but sooner or later the Federal Reserve System and the monetary system is going to completely and totally fall apart, even though it's happened before. This time is going to be different. Well, let me just say, it's not that I disagree, it's that I don't understand it as well as you all, but believe me, I agree with whatever you all two say about it. It's just something that I seem to be a dumb blonde about, but I know enough to know that it's really bad. And we've also had Bill Still on, who has a little bit of a modified get rid of the Fed system, and I thought his system sounded really good, too. Uh, yeah, I'll think just about anything. Anything better than what we're doing. Uh, uh, Jack, I wanted to bring up something. You you mentioned uh, that states shall make nothing but gold and silver coin as a payment in, 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 uh, for their debts. Here's what's interesting. That's Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. Correct. I personally uh, asked um, the Louisiana Secretary of State uh, and the Louisiana uh, State Treasurer about that, and neither one knew that that was even in the Constitution. They had no idea what they were talking about. Right, and, and I asked them publicly on the air, not on this show. I, I called in when they were appearing on another show. I can't get them to come on to here. I wonder why. So, uh, anyway, I, I asked them uh, each separately in separate interviews. Um, when they said that uh, they, they didn't even know it was there, I said, well, you did take an oath to the United States Constitution, right? And they both, of course, said yes. I said, well, how can you swear to something and you don't even know what's in it? And I said, by the way, isn't it pathetic that just a regular everyday schmuck knows this and you don't? And they both uh, rather humbled themselves and agreed, but they sure won't come on the air and talk about it now. But but that's uh, I've also written to uh, every uh, state treasurer in the country, and I have precisely zero responses. I don't think that these guys even know that that exists. No, they don't know. And the guy, listen, John Kennedy, our treasurer, he's a pretty smart guy. So I was kind of shocked that he didn't know that. That's also unbelievable. He's pretty responsible, fiscally, you know. Responsible. On, the, on the subject of financial insanity, I want you both to give me your take on this one. Um, of course, the Republicans told us they were going to save the Republic and come in and cut spending. And I can't believe that some people on the on the, the the left are even upset with this, but they are. They think it's too drastic and too much. But the the, the Democrats have a proposed budget of three point eight trillion, and the Republicans, in their commitment to this huge cut, want to cut it from three point eight to three point seven trillion dollars. Well, which that's that'll do a lot of good. And I don't know who I find more idiot, idiotic: the people proposing it as a meaningful cut, or the people that are saying, "Oh my God, this will kill jobs. We can't do this." It, do you guys hear that one yet? <laughs> no, I, I haven't even heard that. It's just uh, appalling yet 
so sadly predictable, right? I mean, the Republicans, and, you know, I think you read that, that little thing that goes around the 365, I don't know, we've had how many representatives, we've had both parties have controlled at some point in time, both houses and the, and the presidency, and yet we still have the same problems only getting worse. So, uh, the answer is clearly that what, what we're doing ain't working. So, I don't, the Republicans have no, no, um, no interest other than people like Rand Paul, maybe Michelle Bachman, um, maybe a few others. They have no interest in cutting the debt. They, they don't no, care. They, they don't, and they, they don't, they, they are, no way are they going to do what it takes uh, to truly bring spending down to where it needs to be. They bring troops from all, all, right. all over the world. I heard Ron Paul say something very interesting um, after the uh, State of the Union, and that was that it would be much better if we had a, ba- a budget that was, out of balance, but about half what it is now, than if we were to somehow balance this one, but keep the spending where it is. In other words, the problem is not that it's not a balanced budget. The problem is that it, it, the size of the budget is way too big. Well, okay. it's just the idea that, that the way they get their money is to call up the Federal Reserve, basically, who prints money out of thin air, and then we not only borrow it, but we pay them interest. I just can't believe it. And I think we should all become bankers, because it sounds like the, the easiest way to make money I've ever heard of. It's a joke. <laughs> and wait, y'all, the, the reason I'm so dumb about it, and I'm, I'm I really am, I didn't even know about the Federal Reserve and what it did until the whole Ron Paul election, and I was attracted to him for other reasons that concerned, you know, liberty. Um, and learned that, as, as we say in Louisiana, as Lanya, how can it be that you can go to school as many years as I did or is just, just go through high school and never be taught really seriously economics? I mean, how can that possibly be? Uh, I don't you think you're allowed to really teach about the Federal Reserve in school. Uh, I did have an economics teacher that seemed enlightened when I was in high school, and he really never talked about it because I felt like he couldn't. He did point out one thing to us. If you look up the Federal Reserve, it's in the blue, not, well, this is back when we had phone books, right? It was in the blue, not the yellow pages. And explained that that meant it was a private organization. And that, that was probably why I stayed receptive to it throughout my life, going, something just doesn't feel right about that, you know? Um, I got another great one for you since we're slamming bankers. I don't know if you guys have heard this one or not, but this is, you want to talk about the best way to make money as a banker. This is the ultimate scam. JP Morgan right now is making more and more money as more and more Americans go on food stamps because they have a contract to manage the food stamp cards. Yeah, because they did so well on their own that we need to reward them with more jobs. And, uh, yeah, I think just only the federal government could come up with such you, brilliant you, you want the ultimate irony. Okay, so you're some guy that's lost his job or maybe got downsized and had to take a, a job that you can't fo- afford to feed your four kids anymore. So even though you're working your butt off, you're, you're, you're getting your food stamps. And then there's something wrong with your card. So, of course, you call the number on the card because it's not working. And, and you're like, I need help. So you're going to call J.P. Morgan, basically. Guess where you're going to be connected to most of the time? India. India. So the American worker whose job was outsourced to India calls the guy who got his job so he can fix his food card so he can go out and buy more food. Oh, no. (laughs) It makes me want to go find Susan Powder. Remember Susan Powder? Stop the insanity. Like, we need her to be like the, 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 uh, the, the spokeswoman for getting rid of the Fed. You know, that's good. That's good. I like it. She had about the same amount of hair as I do. (laughs) So, I mean, what would you, what would you guys tell people out there that are saying, like, I want to do something, but there's so many things that are wrong, and I'm just one person, and I don't feel like there's anything I can do. I would say this: uh, please study this stuff yourself, because you're never going to get it from the mainstream media, from the mainstream education. You're going to have to – there's plenty of sources for that. Uh, you just got to look a little bit. Uh, and then please school the next generation. If they're still around. I mean, you know, if they're still free. Yeah, because I, I am of the opinion that there is great hope for us. I'm uh, very optimistic that uh, that we can turn this around, but only if we do drastic things that are all positive you know, go to, back to sound money and that sort of thing, and truly um, have a strong military by bringing the troops home, and that, uh, that that would strengthen us here, right? So there's a lot of positive things we can do. The question is, will we do them? Now, sadly, I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic that they will do what needs to be done, and I do fear for my daughter's future, uh, but 
but I I school her all the time on I, I show her examples of how uh, the banks are, are uh, fraudulent, the money system is fraudulent, the media is lying to us, the politicians are lying to us. I show her examples all the time, um, and I make her uh, promise me that she's um, going to carry this forward. Yeah, and from my from my perspective, I think everybody does make a difference. You know, from just getting yourself informed and making it a point that if just once a week you would write a letter to the editor or call into one of these radio shows, you know, one of the mainstream radio shows and hang on the air for the hour, make that your contribution, or support shows like yours, ours, uh, all the people that are in the liberty movement. If you can't do it yourself, then support us, you know, um, because... Education is the key. There are so many people that have no idea that what they see on Fox News or CNN isn't reality, is is a managed message that Goebbels himself would be proud of. And the only way to, to get the scales off their eyes is education. And just something as simple as saying something to somebody at a cocktail party, you know, in a certain way that will make that person go back home and look it up, or hand them a video or a tape or say, check out this podcast, which, you know, that's how I found you. A friend of mine, Kelly, said, you would really like this guy. Listen to him. Well, I have to say that changed my life, you know. So then I feel that it's important and incumbent upon me to try to, honestly, not to be dramatic, but this is it. We have to save our country, and, and it's up to us. And if we don't do it now, we will have nothing left to save. We will be living in a, a prison camp of our own making. And you know what? I cut myself short, but that is where I was going last time, is that uh, I am optimistic, but if we don't do it now, uh, it, I think it is over. I think that the freedom of, of at least mankind in this country is at stake, if not globally. If not us, I, if not us then who? And if not now, then when? Exactly. And, you, and that is why, uh, what Michelle and I, that's what drives us. Um, because you know what we um, it takes a, as you know Jack it takes a lot of effort uh, to do this but I don't I don't consider it a sacrifice because it's something I really want to do we we get great enjoyment but it is a lot of work and uh, and not everybody can do this and Michelle said something that uh, that I did want to mention too is uh, there's a lot of your listeners that a huge percentage of them uh, you can't go out and get your own podcast you can't go out and get your own radio show uh, but you can support shows like us and, and shows like Jack's. Uh, because if you like our message and you want to help get it out there and you can't do it yourself, well, you've got people already doing it. And uh, But we need help staying on the air. We have ex- pretty high production costs, and uh, we're fortunate that uh, we've got uh, Michelle has uh, been an awesome, generous sponsor to get us this far, and we, and we have had some others. But we want to expand the show, and uh, and we do need more. So I would ask that uh, you can contact us. Go to our website, baldingtheblonde.com, and you can contact us through, through there on, on how you can help keep the show going and help yeah, and expand it, it. It's not a prohibitive cost, I'll say that. You know, no. if you have an ad, we can get you on for a really reasonable price for some sort of, uh, you know, some businesses that could definitely benefit from being on this show. Well, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of business people out there that listen to my show every day. So, guys, if, if you want good people to partner with, I can't endorse uh, anybody any higher than I would endorse Tom and Michelle. I, I'd, I'd also like to add to that concept there that I think a lot of people get to this point where they're like, well, there's Monsanto with the GMO f- food. There's the Fed and, and the corruption there. There's this piece of government that's corrupt. There's the states are going to go bankrupt. There's food shortages. There's And there's like a thousand things. Things and, yeah. and we talk about them all. I talk about them. You guys talk about them. But I think that one thing that people can do is it's great to have this broad knowledge and listen to shows like ours and, and take it in and understand it. But then take one that really like like Tom with the Fed, the right. one that is important to you. And even though I talk about a broad amount of things, my one thing is individual liberty because I know if I can get you there, then the rest of this crap doesn't matter. And you can have a revolution if you have individual liberty because liberty-oriented people who have their own sovereignty, who've made it for themselves, they're going to be okay and they can stand up and they can go, fine, don't feed me for a year. I will feed myself and I'm going to outlast you because you got to go. But so other people might, it might be like, I talk about fluoride in the water all the time, but I'm not down beating the drum at my local water uh, department. I've got my thing I'm doing, but but a, a housewife, 
that just gets all the information and just keeps going to every town council member and every city around her and just goes, I want, I want it entered in and I want this read. You know, that could be her one thing. And that one person can make a tremendous difference because, Absolutely. and it, basically what I'm saying is pick one thing and be an evangelist with the people you like and be a pain in the ass to the people that are causing the problem. That's right. I think that's perfectly said. I'm, I'm going to steal that and start saying that because please do. Go ahead. It can be overwhelming, you know, because our job here, what we're doing is bringing news that you're not going to hear somewhere else to the New Orleans community and to our listeners who listen to us on podcasts. It can be disgusting when you hear every week something new, but your idea of taking just one thing and being an expert in that and making that your deal, that is a great idea. And, you know, also I just really, really believe it helps a lot to live the survivalist uh, way that you that you have advocated so aptly. And it's just grow a garden, get yourself some silver and gold, do what you can to put away food, and save yourself. And I, and, and I love that in the song. The revolution is you. It's us. It's each one of us individually saying, no, you will not put your hands down my child's pants at the airport. No, you will not take an x-ray of me, a law-abiding citizen, because that's, that's my thing, you know, the individual yep. liberty. I will not have the government molest me, because that's where the government that's where every tyrannical government starts. If they can put their hand in your pants, they can do anything. So no, pick your thing. That's fine. So I, I really, I really think that's great. Cool. And, and guys, I, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Any final thoughts that either one of you or both of you have for folks out there? Well, just to sum up, is that uh, there is something that uh, everyone can do. Well, or I should say, anyone can do something. Something. Well. Uh, it, yeah. it starts with schooling yourself on on you know pick something and then really school yourself on it and don't don't believe the first source you come to certainly don't believe the mainstream media but uh, you you can get loads of information off the internet just watch your sources most of the information that I get and that I trust I go right to the source right to the government themselves that's right I know that the Federal Reserve is fraudulent not because G Edward Griffin told me. But because I went to the Federal Reserve and I, and, and, and I looked at their documents and I see how they create money, and I figured out for myself that they're fraudulent. So yeah. School yourself on this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, just remember, not, you know, not, not to offend anyone who's not a Christian or who, who doesn't think that way, but just if you want to know what a small group of people can do, after all, it is historically correct to say that 12 fishermen, uh, you know, spread Christianity throughout the world. So uh, your power is incredible if you just uh, put your mind to it and, and use it. And we can all make a huge difference in uh, saving our country because that's it's, that's what it's all about, sadly. Well, guys, again, thank both of you for being on the air with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you for having us. And for your listeners, they can go to our website and see uh, all the guests that have been on there and listen to the podcast and listen to the three Jack Spearco podcast. Yeah, I should have said we've been on for a little over a year, so like 13 months in. All of our shows, 60-something shows, um, are all there, um, including the special Jack Spearco. Yes, and you can, you can <laughs> if you listen to those shows, you can pick your uh, you can pick your cause celeb and find a thing that you want to focus on because we've pretty much covered a, a wide, wide range of the tyrannies that we face at this Critical time in our history, and you'll see we do it with a lot of humor. We try to. We do have a, a little. You even got Vin, you got that guy Vinny Ravioli on there. <laughs> Vinny Ravioli. Yeah. I'm convinced yeah. he lives in Tom's basement. Of course, you guys don't have basements, but, <laughs> but he's that would he's, be perfect. he's a blogger <laughs> in a basement, right? Uh, you know. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, if you are going to be in New Orleans, or if you are in New Orleans, make sure you set your uh, your preset dial at least in your car stereo to uh, WGSO 990 AM. And if you're there on a Wednesday between 5 and 6 Central Time, make sure you check these guys out on the radio. But like Tom and Michelle both said, they are available as a podcast. You can uh, get them at their website. Again, that is baldyandtheblonde.com. And I hope that, you know, we try to be light and tell some jokes and, and carry on, which is really the personality that Michelle and Tom bring to their show. And I think we need some of that. But I also hope you, you heard something underlying with both these individuals. They're warriors. They're fighting the good fight. And that's, that's what we all need to be doing. And we fight that fight. Like I said, we pick our own individual ways. I want you to fight that fight, too. And I want you to remember that what it really comes down to is will you fight for yourself and for your family? 
And that's not always about picking up a sign or calling somebody on the phone. Sometimes it is. But when it really comes down to the core, it's all about the way that you live and the way you refuse to be forced to live. So hopefully you got that message today from these folks because, man, that's what they're doing. And that's why they take the time they do to put their show together. And on that note, I'll sign off today. This has been Jack Spierko along with Tom Kowitz and Michelle Godin helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Nobody up there cares, they're leaving.